Today we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 7 and 17 through 24. And let me read the text. And as I'm reading it, how many of you guys, you write in your Bibles? Do any of you here, you write in your Bibles? Okay, cool. If you have a pen, this might be a good time to write in your Bible. And maybe circle or underline every time you find the word called or calling. And because you're going to see that it's totally emphasized here. Look what it says in verse 17. It says, but as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches. Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it, but if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman, and likewise he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You are bought at a price, and do not become slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God, in that state in which he was called. And so eight times in these uh, nine verses or less, we find the word called or calling. And what God is going to be speaking to us today is the number one, our call to salvation, and the number two, our call to mission. You know, so when you got saved, uh, God uh, ordained uh, a certain purpose for you. It's kind of interesting how the Bible talks about that, how we have this gracious purpose that's been given to us. And so you guys know that. Um, how many of you believe that there's a certain something for you to do in your life? It begins, obviously, with your family, right? And here in the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, the context is they were asking Paul, hey, you know, now that I'm saved and my, my spouse is not saved, can I leave the marriage? Because, you know, being unequally yoked doesn't, you know, there's, there's something there. And can I get out of the marriage? And uh, Paul says, no. You have to stay in the calling, in that state wherein you were saved, you know. And so uh, married people maybe wanting to be single. Any of you guys here like that? Paul says, don't do it. And if you're single and you want to be married... Any of you guys here like that? That's okay. But what he's going to talk about, though, is, is don't let it be your God. Don't let it be something that consumes you. And so um, we read again in verse 17, as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so what has God distributed to us, you guys? Our life. Your life. Um, you know, where you were born your family that you grew up in, the neighborhood, you know, the, the job that maybe you were working at when you got saved. Let's just say that you got saved and then, you know, someone comes up to you and says, hey, now you're a Christian now. You should go sell all your, you know, stuff and go up to the top of the mountain and wait for Jesus to come because we need to live in like this Christian cubbyhole, this Christian camp, you know. And, and Paul says, no, um, that job was distributed to you. That's all part of your calling as a matter of fact, God will use you there in your job. Now, does that mean you can never, ever change jobs? No, you can. But we don't look at it like this thing that I'm going to focus on. Uh, uh, what we find is we go through our study today 
is we want to focus on the Lord. That's where our focus needs to be. So, you know, I, I, I could just imagine, I mean, going back a, a long time ago, 1989, I used to work at Vons, okay? And so there's this guy that w works there. His name is Gus. He, he was a little weird, um, but he was, you know, he was a cool guy overall. And so um, I remember Gus, uh, I remember he was one of those guys that worked in the market, and he had like a radar to know if anybody was going to come in and steal. Uh, you guys, any, any of you guys have that? You're like, I know, there's a... That guy's a criminal. You guys, are any of you guys like that? And so I remember we would work, and he would say, that guy's going to steal right there. I know it. And so then he would go, and he would kind of stand behind the aisles, and sure enough, he would catch him stealing. Anyways, that has nothing to do with the study, but I just wanted to mention that to you. <laughs> so imagine Gus gets saved, and as he gets saved, he, um, he says, you know what? I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to quit because now I'm a Christian now and I've got to serve the Lord. I'm going to go up to the mountain over there. There's a Christian camp up there and I'm just going to leave it all behind. I'm going to go and, you know, and get escape from society, escape from the world, run from my life. I don't like my job. And, and imagine it, you know, if he did that. And there are some people, some weird people out there that would tell you you should do that. But imagine if he did that, then I can still visualize the day it would have never happened where I'm throwing apples up and he's throwing apples up on the other side and I can still visualize him right there. And I still remember, he's all, hey, uh, do you ever go to church? And I'm like, yeah, I go to, you know, this church, St. Christopher's. Oh, do you a Christian? Yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm all, how about you? And he's all, yeah, I go to Calvary Chapel, West Covina. And he said, you should come. And it was his invitation at work where it was his mission field that brought me to salvation. So, so a lot of times people, they, you know, they don't like their jobs. They're there and they're thinking, man, it's not enough money or whatever. They're not taking care of me. And again, you have to ask these things of the Lord. But I would encourage you to know that where you are, there is a mission field there. And, and God is just saying, don't hone in on those kind of things. Walk in that. Get, look again at verse 17. As God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. Now the context is verse 27. Watch if you would jump over to verse 27. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. So any of you guys here, you know, ball and chain. No, I'm just when say, any of you guys here, you're bound to a wife? Any of you guys here? Paul says here, don't seek to be loose. There are some people, believe it or not, in their marriage relationship where they're just thinking, and I know for most of us here, like Mark was saying, we, we appreciate marriage. We love marriage. For us, it's a foreign concept that anyone would ever be thinking about how to get out of the marriage. But there are some people who really have that mentality, like, I want out. I want out. I don't like this guy anymore. I don't like this girl anymore. And you're distancing yourself and you're, you're living separate lives. And God says, no, you're in that relationship. Don't seek to be loosed. And, as, and then, then for the single people, he says there in verse 27, are you loose from a wife? Do not seek a wife. And that's huge. That's huge. You know, we're talking about 1 Corinthians 7, and we're talking about the fact that if you're single, how you can just full-on, wholeheartedly, 
You're so free to, to go to any Bible study you want, to go on any retreat you want, to get involved in ministry because you're not married. You don't have the marital obligations. And it's just all about kind of like 1 Corinthians 7. It's just like, man, this is the life of a Christian, just full bore serving the Lord. Later on, we're going to see you're living with this heavenly perspective, right? And so the thing about it, for all you single people, man, my heart goes out to you. I know I can't even begin to imagine how difficult it is and how lonely you can be sometimes. I understand. So I don't want to be like a weird Christian who's overzealous and has no sympathy whatsoever. But I do want to be biblical right here. And he says, if you're loose from a wife, if you're not married, if you're single, don't seek after a spouse. Don't let that be your life. Don't let that be your God. What are you supposed to seek after? You guys know, right? Matthew 6, verse 33. It says, uh, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And so some people, some single people, be honest, okay? I want you to be honest. You're like, okay, I'm going to seek God because he's going to bring me a husband. Right? Come on. Some of you guys are, I want to seek the Lord, man, because I know that's where I'm going to find a wife. You want to know something? Then you're not seeking God. If you're seeking God as a, as, a, as a means to an end, then you're not seeking God. What we're seeing here in Matthew 6, and Jesus is speaking in the context of how some people, you know, they want, you know, better clothes or more food. Basically, they want something to be provided to them. And Jesus just says, no, I love you. I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to do that. Seek first, seek foremost, seek wholeheartedly the kingdom of God and his righteousness to live that life that will be pleasing in his sight. And then I will give you everything you need when you need it. And so when we're talking about living in the calling, we're talking about you're married, then just, man, be the best husband you can be, the best wife you can be. And when they're, when they're being maybe unlovely, then you love on them more. And you ask God, how can we, you know, make this marriage not just, you know, survive but thrive? And, and, you're, and you're single and you're like, okay, I'm not going to let being married be my God. I'm not going to go that route. God has the perfect person and the perfect timing. And I'm going to just not even be concerned with that. I'm just going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto me in God's timing. And so what he's saying right here is you've you got to stay in, in that calling wherein you were called. And then what he does is interesting. He gives a couple of examples of how sometimes when you get saved, you know, some people might say, well, now you need to get, you know, religious, or others might say, uh, now it has to go beyond religion. You've got to change vocation. Look, look what he says next in, in verse uh, 18 again. Was anyone called while, while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. And was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. And so I know for us, this sounds kind of weird, you know, but for them, it was an issue. Believe it or not, it was an issue. You had the Jews and you had the Gentiles and the Jews were circumcised. And so, 
you know, for them trying to minister in a Gentile congregation, that might be something where they felt like, hey, if people know I'm Jewish, then it might hinder actually the work of the ministry that God wants to work in me and through me. And so there was actually a surgical procedure where if you wanted to, as a Jew who was circumcised, you can go and have this surgical procedure done where you would be um, and then uncircumcised. And it's interesting when you read that, it sounds kind of crazy, but uh, the uh, historian uh, Josephus talks about that. Also, 1 Maccabees 1, 11 through 15, it talks about that. You guys remember 1 Maccabees? Anybody remember that? You guys, before you were Christians, maybe some of you were Catholic, you had that in the apocryphal books. We don't see them as inspired by God, but we do see them as uh, historical documents. And there you find that some of the Jews were getting uncircumcised because what they wanted to do was join with the Gentiles. And so uh, it sounds kind of weird. Um, usually when you read the Bible, it's the other way around. Usually what you find is that the Jews were trying to impose circumcision on the Gentiles. And if you read Acts chapter 15, you read the whole uh, account there where basically uh, the Judaizers had come from Jerusalem and they came to Antioch and they said, if you really want to get saved, if you really want to get spiritual, if you really want to make sure that you're right with God, before you can become a Christian, you need to become a Jew and so you need to be circumcised. And so it was a big thing. Paul and Barnabas, they didn't give them the time of day. They had to go up to Jerusalem. They had the first church council in Acts chapter 15. That took place in AD 50. They settled the matter. It's not true. You don't have to go through that ceremony. You don't have to become a Jew. It has nothing to do with circumcision. And then 1 Corinthians was written two years later. It had already been settled in AD 52. And so all that to say this, that you guys, um, the Jew doesn't have to become non-Jewish. The, 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 the Gentile doesn't have to become Jewish. It's not about ceremonies. It's not about circumcision. It's not about religion. What does he say right here? He says um, circumcision in verse 19 is nothing. Uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandments of God is what matters. You're like, man, I want God to use my life. I want God to, you know, work in me. I want God to work through me. You know, I want to see him, man, move in my family. And so maybe there's a temptation to get religious. You know, there's maybe there's a temptation to get Jewish. I don't know. You know, there's a temptation to go in those, those areas. And what, what Paul is saying is, no, if you really want to be effective, if you really want to be used by God, if you really want to see the, the beautiful, wonderful things that God can do, just begin to get your heart in a place where it's all it's just consumed with keeping the commandments of God. That's all that matters. How, let me ask you a question. Have you come to that place in your life where Jesus owns every area of your life? Or do any of you here have any secret compartments that you try to hide from Jesus? You got that closet over there, and you're like, Jesus, you can hang out in my kitchen. That's fine. I'm not drinking beer anymore. And you can hang out in my study over here because I'm not looking at pornography anymore. But as far as this closet right here, this area of my life, I'm sorry, Lord. That's just, I got to have a little something just for me. And, 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 and what God is saying is that, no, you, I, I want all of you. 
You know, and so you come to that place. Have you guys come to that place of all honesty where every thought is his? You know, like if you get a bad thought, you don't dwell on it. You're like, no, Lord, forgive me, and you bring it into captivity. Or have you come to that place? Anyone here come to that place where every word belongs to Jesus? And you're like, okay, I'm not going to say this because I know that it's not right, you know. It'll make my wife mad or, you know, discourage my children, you know, or, or whatever, your coworker, uh, someone that you're upset with. And you just want to fight fire with fire. And God is just saying, no, I, every thought, every word, every action, all that you decide, all that you are, God is saying, I want it to be mine. Because that's really what matters, you guys. It's not the religious stuff. You know, and I, and I use this as an example, and, and you know, because I've been guilty of this. I mean, maybe you're one of those dads, and you're like, okay, we're going to read the Bible every day in my family. Okay, get over here, sit right there, boom, boom, boom. You got all your ducks in a row and everything, and you open up your Bible, and you read them the chapter, and you're like, okay, we did it. We did it. But then, you know, you yell at your wife. Then you yell at your kid. Then you yell at your neighbor. Then you kick the cat. Then you do all these different things that you do, and you're not living the life. And let me tell you, what would God, God would rather have us love. God would rather have us live a life of obedience than being religious. I mean, it would be cool if possible, you guys, you read the Bible with your family, you pray with your family, but not just that, you, you just your whole life becomes a life of love, a life of obedience, a life of, I just want to please the Lord. You know, I'm not going to be watching, you know, TV that, that's not cool with God. I'm not going to be, you know, checking out movies that really are, are like anti-Christ, you know, always using his name in vain. I'm not going to be soaking in these things that are not right because I just want to, I just want to be pleasing to him. What did Jesus say? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So, so be careful, you know, that you don't think, well, now I'm, I'm, I'm Gentile and I got to be Jew or I'm Jew, I got to be Gentile. You know, it's about religion or circumcision or ceremonies. No, just remain in the state that you were called. And not just religion. Then he goes into vocation. Notice what he says right here uh, in verse uh, 20, that each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it, but if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman, and likewise he who is called while free is Christ's slave. And, and, and basically, what do we find going on right here? What we find is that an individual is saying, I just need God to change my circumstances. And when God is saying, no, I just want to change you, you. Lord, I just need him to be different. I need her to be different. I mean, my job to be different. I need this to be different. And God is saying, no, I want you to be different. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy the way that we run away from things, the way that we think that we can just kind of like, you know, manipulate like a Jacob and then everything's going to be good and we never really allow God to work deep within us. I mean, if some of you here, if you're honest, if you wanted to, you probably could have run away from your marriage by now, huh? 
I mean, maybe your, felt your spouse was unfaithful to you, or maybe you just weren't happy, or maybe someone else came in and you started working with them and they were really nice to you, and you started getting this thought in your mind, you're like, man, if I really wanted to, I could change my, my life right now. I could be selfish, and I could be about me. And, you know, but, but praise God, you didn't go that route. You chose to forgive. You chose to invest in your marriage. And now you've discovered a love that is so deep that you would have never had that had you not gone through the difficulties that you decided to endure because the Bible says to stay in that state. You know, and it can happen in any, in any area of our life. You know, Pastor Adam, Sandy Adams, I love what he said. He said this, Paul tells us we need to remain where we are called unless God releases us from that calling. Are you trying to escape an unpleasant job or a rowdy neighbor? Are you running from a church where your feelings were hurt? Escape is not victory. Our mobility hinders our maturity. People never grow spiritually as long as they're bouncing from job to job or church to church or town to town or even marriage to marriage. There are disciplines that God can only teach you when you remain where you are called. And not just sitting there and gritting your teeth and enduring it, but being there, opening your heart and embracing it. And, that, and, the, and God, he just does this amazing work. Warren Wiersbe said something similar. He said, we are prone to think that a change in circumstances is always the answer to a problem, but the problem is usually within us, not around us. And that's why... Paul is saying, we don't just run away. You're, you're a slave. Oh, let me get a different job, a better job now. There, there's a lot there. You know, you're in a marriage and it's a difficult situation. No, 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 there's a lot there. I was asking Peter, because he was doing translation for first service, um, well, how long was it before uh, you were saved? Because Joan got saved first. And he said it was a year later. And he was talking about how she would come in, and I, I hope it's okay sharing this, Joan, but Joan would come into the room and she would put on her armor, Ephesians chapter 6. Okay, I'm putting on my breastplate of righteousness, my helmet of salvation, girding my feet. With, I don't know how she did it, but he told me that she would come into the room and kind of like put her armor on, and he would just, man, he would just give her a hard time. But thank God she waited, and he got saved a year later. Huh, how does Peter do it? What are the, some of the Peterisms? I wouldn't do it now. <laughs> where would we be without Peter? You know, where would we be without Jesse Rios? I don't know how long it was that Maria waited for that knucklehead to give his life to Christ, you know? But eventually he did. Where would we be without that love that Maria had for him so that he can be saved? And there are others, even Dr. Ray and Laura. There are so many people that they waited on the Lord, they, they stayed in the job, and then there God used them, and even though it was a tough situation, people got saved because they stayed there. And that's what Paul is saying. It's a lot bigger than our convenience. It's a lot bigger than, than us. It's about being obedient to the Lord. That's our life, keeping the commandments, realizing who we are. He says right here that, that, you know, if, if we're a slave, and then that day, there were a lot of slaves. There were 60 million Roman slaves. 
Two-thirds of all the people were slaves. I mean, this is a crazy situation. Um, it wasn't the same slavery that we experienced in our nation back then. You could actually, if you were in debt, you could sell yourself. You could have, be a slave and also have other jobs. And so, you know, it was just part of the culture. And so, what you know, difficult situation still. But, you know, if you're there, you know, you're a Christian. You're like, okay, now I need to get out of this. I need to get out of this. And, you know, that might be your first inclination. And it's kind of weird how sometimes there are cults out there. There are are people who claim to be Christian and you go to their organization and they tell you, they say, hey, you know what, you got to quit your job, you got to, you know, get a divorce, you got to marry that person. It's so weird how they're controlling. Maybe there was something like that going on here in Corinth. You got to, you know, get your freedom, man. And, and, and Paul is saying, that's not how it works. I mean, if it happens, cool. I can't, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, man, because we're talking about the men's ministry. The men's ministry in prison pretty powerful some of these guys and you talk to some of these guys because can you visualize it a hundred men together singing how great is our God from the top of their lungs and you're in there and you're in prison and you're locked up and you've got really nowhere else to go that's your life now you're a Christian you want to get out and what happens a lot of times when they get out they're not serving the Lord anymore it doesn't always work that way but all I'm saying is that at the end of the day, we are not going to manipulate and connive and, you know, you know, kick down doors and carve our own way. No, we're, we're obedient. We follow the Lord. And if he wants you to be a slave or if he wants you to be in prison, that, that's fine. If you can get out, that's cool. But it's kind of like what we're talking about, being single and being married. If you're, if you're seeking, you know, a spouse, if that's your God, if that's your focus then that's wrong. If it happens while you are in love with the Lord, that's what you want. He says right here, uh, were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. Now it's interesting, the word concerned right here is the same word used in 1 Peter chapter 5 in verse 7. And there is a cool verse. The Bible says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And so the same Greek word is don't be concerned about it. So here you are. You're trying to navigate your own life. You're in the driver's seat. You're the one who's pulling the strings. You're the one that's making things happen. You're the one that's in control. And basically what he's saying is don't do it. Let God do it. Don't be concerned. It's almost like he's saying, and I know this sounds kind of weird, but he's almost like he's saying, don't take care of yourself. Let me take care of you. You know, I, I, that's what he says in 1 Peter 5, 7. He says, casting all your cares, the Greek word there is where we get our word anxieties, casting all your anxieties on, on, on the Lord. Why? Because he, he is the one taking care of you. Do you understand that? If God is taking care of you, doesn't that bring you a certain peace, a certain comfort? I mean, God's not like us. I mean, you got these crazy stories nowadays. Any of you guys hear about that, 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 that infant was in the car, mom uh, leaves him locked in the car, or leaves her, I mean, there's just so many now, goes and gets drunk, the, the child dies. God doesn't take care of us like that. God, man, 
the perfect timing and and I and I know you know we're trying to follow the Lord and asking him for wisdom and everything but you know I mean even for me as a as a pastor Lord I want you know uh, the flesh you want this mega church you want a big building you want a hundred thousand square feet you want the whole city of El Monte to get saved and you know and so that becomes your goal and that becomes your passion and you're talking to real estate agents and you're talking to banks and you're talking to loan agents and you're doing whatever you think because you think that that's what you know you need to do and God is saying no that's not what you need to do what you need to do is you need to be obedient and you need to remember that you're a slave and, and all I'm asking of you, God says, is for you to seek me first and I'll take care of all the other things because uh, I, at the end of the day, you guys, a big church, a mega church, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's exactly, you know, this powerful church that's going to be more effective than perhaps a smaller church. Maybe, maybe not. We just got done with the men and Gideon. It was 300. It was 300 that somehow in God's kingdom, made the difference. So you want your way? Or do you want God's? What he's saying right here is let God take care of you. Don't be the one to take care of it yourself. I mean, if you get free, that's cool, but it's only going to be a byproduct of you truly, honestly seeking God first. Because at the end of the day, he says in verse 22, for he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freed man, and likewise he who is called while free is Christ's slave. I mean, you're free, huh, guys? You're free. If you want to after service today, you can go home and have 17 quesadillas <laughs> if you want to, huh? You're free. We're free. Are you? Are you really free? Can you just go home if you want to and blastado on the couch and watch all the playoff games and, you know, and you didn't pray with your wife or read with your kids or you didn't, you know, spend time with the Lord or you got, you know, trash to empty and, you know, the, the, the good things to do? I mean, none of us, I mean, if you're, if you're free, you're not really free, not if you're a Christian. Because when you're a Christian, he owns every moment and every minute, every decision. I mean, sometimes I think he gives me the freedom to go ahead and watch a little baseball, especially with my son, but not a lot of times. There are so many things to do for Jesus. So many things to do. We're not really free. But then that guy who's a slave and he's locked up or whatever, he's in that place, in that job, he's thinking he's, he's bound, but, but, but because he's a Christian, he's free, huh? He's free from the penalty and power of sin. It's amazing how it works, man, when you look at this, how uh, Lenski put it is kind of cool. He says, we may put it abstractly, but slavery in Christ is true freedom, and freedom in Christ is true slavery. I mean, when you become a Christian, and this is why, uh, prayerfully, we, we're not just playing church. Hopefully you guys here, and knowing a lot of you here, I know you're all in. I know you are, huh? But, you know, this is, uh, this is not my life. Uh, he has my life, um, you know? And, and so what ends up happening is, uh, is you, you know, you're coming to the Lord, and when you're there, you understand that, you know, I'm a, I'm a slave. I'm the different Greek words, the diakonos, huperates, 
uh, doulos, and so a diakonos is someone who just does errands. They just do errands for God. You know, you're maybe not preaching, maybe you're not a pastor, maybe one day you will be, right now God just wants you to be a diakonos, and maybe, you know, you're doing the vacuuming, you're emptying the trash, you're going and getting the water at Sam's Club. The other day I went to get water for the family, five-gallon jugs, and I told Shelly, I said, this is not biblical. In the Bible, the ladies did it. <laughs> and she just laughed at me. So anyways, but you know, you know you're doing errands. Um, the diaconos, there's a, there's a gazillion, you ask Henry, there's a gazillion errands that need to be done for Jesus in this church. I wonder if there's any diaconos that might step up. I wonder if there's any diaconos that might say, well, on October 31st, I kind of wanted to do this, that, and the other, but there's a need in the church, and I'm going to sign up. It was so cool. After service, first service, one of the guys came up to me. He says, I'm a new Christian. or I've been here only three times, but I want to get involved. I'm like, man, go for it. Because a lot of times what happens is these new Christians, they outperform the old Christians because they have this zeal. You know, you're a diakonos or, or you're a hooperates. It's another Greek word, and what that means is an under rower. And what that means is you really have that understanding, that mentality that even though you might be being raised up by the Lord and you have more responsibility or whatever, some you know, position on the platform, but at the end of the day, you realize that yeah, that means that you're lower. That means that you're, you're, you're more aware of your inadequacies and your weakness and wickedness. You know, I was telling this, the church on Thursday about how these two guys, they were a part of a moving company, and one of them was really skinny, and here he is trying to pick up these heavy dressers and refrigerators and all that kind of stuff, and he's just not strong enough. And so you know what he did? He gave his two-week notice because he wasn't strong enough. You know what I mean? Come on. <laughs> two-week notice. Okay, anyways. <laughs> Here's the thing, you guys. <laughs> we need chorizo con papas. We are too weak. We are too weak. We need him, right? And, and then we're the bottom. We know it. And then there's a last Greek word is a doulos. And what that means is that, you know, you get your ear pierced. It was when the guy was there. And think about this for a minute, man. You're, you're a Jew, and you've served your time. Your seven years are done but you're there and you've been under the care of this master. He's taking care of you, provided for your family, and you love him. And the Bible says that, therefore, what you do is you volitionally say, I don't want to go out there and be free. I choose instead to be your slave. And so what they would do is they would go then and they would pierce his ear and he became a bondservant forever. And you guys, that's, that's who we are. Do you recognize that? Any of you here think that you're the captain of your own ship? Any of you here like Frank Sinatra, I did it my way? Anyone here like that? If you do, then you're in big trouble. Look at 1 Corinthians 6. Look what it says there in verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Do you know that yet? Have we come to that place yet? Well, I can do whatever I want. I can go on vacation wherever I want. I can do whatever I want. No, you can't. You bounce everything off the Lord. You take everything to the Lord because you're not your own. He says right here in verse 20, for you were bought 
at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I mean, he, he, he paid for us. If you go to 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, Notice what he says here. In 1 Peter 1, in verse 18, knowing, and again, these are just things that we need to know, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct. Now, that's an interesting uh, phrase right there. Before, there was like no goal. Before, there was like no aim. It's like we were doing whatever. Because we had no divine direction. But now there's a calling on your life. There's this call to salvation. There's this call to mission. There's this call to pardon. There's this call to purpose. There's these gifts he's given you. These opportunities he's given you. The place that you work. All the things. God's going to use your life. Now there's a goal. Now there's an aim. I'm going to glorify him. Before it was nothing. Before it was nowhere. But you've been redeemed like that. He says right there. From your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers, but you've been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I mean, not only were you bought, but you were bought with the blood of God's only Son. And that's how valuable you are. That's how much of a treasure you are. That's how huge this transaction is. And so, you know, he goes back in 1 Corinthians 7, you were bought at a price, he says in verse 23, don't become slaves of men. And that happens when you're conformed into the image of this world. They transform you and they make you think the way that they think. And these are the goals and these are the dreams that you need to have. And these are the ambitions and this is the, the, your destiny. And all the world that imposes it's this stuff on you. And you said, no, you break free from that. I'm not a slave of men. I'm a slave of God. I've been bought by him. And so he's going to try to distract me. He's going to try to get me this way, that way, and the other way. You know, because I'm on this course as a Christian. And this is my calling. And, and then you say, no, I'm going to stay on track. And so we read in verse 24, brethren, let each one remain with God in that state in which he was called. And so you're there and you're not going to run away. I mean, if God makes it happen... It'll happen. But it's only going to happen as a byproduct of you seeking him. Right now, what do we do? He says right there, and this is where he is a little nuance there in verse 24. Brethren, let each one remain, notice, with God in that state in which he was called. And that's what it is. This beautiful calling that you have as a, as a husband, as a wife, as a parent as a pastor, as a worker there. Let me tell you something. You might be here today and you might be a plumber and you're thinking that's not as good as being a pastor. Oh, yes, it is. If God wants you to be a plumber, it's way better than you being a pastor because you're being what God wants you to be. Whatever your job is, don't you realize? You know, you're there and you're like, man, my job is crazy. It's ghetto or whatever the case may be, you know? And, <laughs> and it's like, man, but who else is going to shine as lights 
there like you do. I don't know, there's a lot involved here, but what you find is that let each one remain, and when you stay in that calling, you're remaining with God in that state in which he was called. There's a couple of people that are, are considering moving out of state. California, I told them you can't move because it says you got to remain in that state, bro. <laughs> in which he was called. No, it's not you know, a geography thing. It's a spiritual thing. And so I pray that everyone here would know that God has this plan um, that was given to you. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Before time began, it's a beautiful plan, a beautiful calling, a call to salvation, a call to mission. And so don't let anyone distract you this way, that way, the other. Don't even let it be a religious thing or a vocation thing. No, it's you just seeking God. And as you're there and as we stay there, you know, God will do a great work. You know, the first call is a call to salvation, though. And if you're here and you haven't answered that call, then that's where it starts. I pray if you're here today and maybe, you know, you've been playing church or maybe you got one foot in and one foot out, I pray that today uh, you would just give the Lord your heart. Say, Lord, I'm all in. I believe you died for me on the cross, rose again. You bought me. I believe in you. And I'm not just here. Here, I believe in my heart. And as you do, as you just come to that place of surrender, maybe even today before you leave, this is between you and the Lord. If you're here and you're struggling and you're not right with God, just get on your knees. Just get on your knees and say, Lord, this is symbolic of me saying, I give you my life. And when you do that, when you do things like that, God sees. Because I want God to do a great church in me and, and through us as a church. We all have to be in this team together, you know, sold out, surrendered. And as we are, uh, I believe God is going to move in a great way.